that we are invited to do that, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, obviously, we're not talking about physically eating God. What the writer is emphasizing, and I believe this, is that when you taste something, you experience it personally. Now, at some of our snack tables, our sample tables today, how many of you tasted of the mac and cheese and experienced it personally? Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, so you know what we're talking about, right? I mean, that's, that's what goes on is we experience it. Problem is, many of us have not experienced, really experienced God. Many of us have approached God like I used to approach guacamole, and that's why I wanted to put that back out today. For years, I thought I didn't like guacamole. I didn't like the look of it. I didn't like the texture of it. But here's the deal. I really, I really didn't try it. Now, you may be guilty of that, too, where you just kind of get an opinion about a food item, but you haven't really tried it. Or maybe you've tried it once, and it wasn't really good that time anyway, and so it just kind of warped you, and it, it jaded your perspective of that food item, and that's kind of the way that, that it was for me. But um, honestly, over the last couple of years, I have loved to, I've come to love guacamole and enjoy it, avocado. I'm looking forward to it um, this afternoon as we watch the game. Here's the deal, is that God wants you, wants me to experience him. I really believe that. I believe that God wants you to experience all that he wants to do, not just who he is, but what he wants to do in your life. The psalmist combines taste was sight, and that's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that to taste and see that the Lord is good. So how do we see that God is good? Well, if you remember, we talked about food memory. How, how, does, how does that work? Well, for instance, when you see this picture of mac and cheese up on the screen, right, it's, it's already making you think about what it tastes like, right? You probably had it before service today, but it makes you taste, or to think about it, and it makes you, you know, think about what it tastes like, and you can already taste it. Even if you didn't have any of the samples this morning, you got it in your head. I know what mac and cheese tastes like. Why? Because you've experienced it once before, and you have a memory of it. See, just seeing it causes you to taste it in your mind, and in the same way, Jesus wants our experience of him to shape the way that we see him. He, he wants us to remember how good he is. He wants us to know from experience what he can do in our lives. And remember that going forward into whatever we're facing, whatever situation, circumstance that we're facing, knowing that God is good. That's what he wants us to, to grasp, to know what he's like because of what he's done in your life in the past, what you've experienced in the past. We're invited to taste and see that the Lord is good. God reveals his goodness in his creation. We saw that in Genesis 1. God reveals his goodness through everyday blessings. Psalm 145 says, the Lord is good to everyone. God reveals his goodness through his son, Jesus. Christ, I love this. Paul writes in Colossians, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Wow. Romans 5, Paul says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And then he kind of follows it up in Romans 8, and since he did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? What a great passage great thought about God. God is good. Everything about God is good. Everything God does is good. Now we can sit and nod our head and go, yeah, Bart, yeah, that's great. That's good teaching. 
But when things go south this week, do we know this? Do we believe this? Do we hold on to this? When something happens in a relationship, something happens in our finances, something happens in our car, something happens at our job, something happens in our health, or somebody that we love, something happens to them, can we, can we say everything that God does is good? Do we believe that? Do we hold on to that? Hmm. We're invited to taste and see that the Lord is good. Lots of times, though, we don't. Lots of times, we don't taste and see that the Lord is good. Why? I mean, that, that was the question that I asked, and, and I was thinking what, this would be a great way to wrap off our series to kind of do like a last chapter of what we've been talking about is answering this question. Why wouldn't we taste and see that God is good? Why wouldn't we do this? If we're being invited to do this, why wouldn't we do this? I mean, if, if, you, know, if you didn't help yourself to the samples today, my question is, why? It's free food. It's there, right? I mean, it's why? And that's the way I feel about what God is offering us, is why, why wouldn't we access what God wants to do in our life? Why wouldn't we experience it? As I have alluded throughout this series and things that I have experienced, I believe there are two reasons, at least for me, there are two reasons why I don't taste and see that the Lord is good enough. One reason, I want you to get this down on your outline, is that I have discovered in my life I am too full to taste the goodness of God. I am too full to taste the goodness of God. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, I used to play outside. I know that's something that not a lot of kids really understand in our era, right? Um, just for all kinds of different reasons. I know it's not just, you know, a lot of people go, oh, it's those, those evil video games. Uh, it's, it's not just that, you know. It's, it's environment, it's culture, it's just a little, it's different than it, way, than it was when I was growing up. And I remember that my mom and dad, I didn't really have like a curfew growing up, especially in the summer. My mom and dad basically said, when the streetlights come on, you come home. And, I, and they didn't know where I was. I mean, I was playing with my friends, and we'd play football, we'd play baseball, we'd play cops and robbers, we'd ride our bikes, we had this big field behind our house. I lived in an urban area, but we had this big field behind our houses, and we'd go ride our bikes out there. We just, we were all over the place, right? Don't tell my mom this, but we used to pop the sewer grates and climb down in. And anyway, um, that's just a whole other story. We had got a hold of some M80s and put them in glass bottles and tossed them. Anyway, whole other story. Talk to me later about that kind of boom kind of idea and fun. And we had so much fun growing up as kids. And um, I remember, though, I vividly remember coming home. Lights would come on. And I'd come home. <laughs> and the first thing I'd do is I'd hit the fridge. Because I was hungry. Because I, you know, I probably skipped a, a meal or two that day. We were having so much fun. And I'd go right to the fridge and I'd open the fridge. And I'll never forget what my mom used to say. No, 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 no. You'll ruin your appetite for dinner. Oh, mom. Right? I just wanted something. I just something. And she said, no, no, no. You wait. You wait. Hmm. Don't eat. You'll ruin your appetite for dinner. How many of us have ruined our appetites for the goodness of God? We, we have filled up on so much in life that we really don't know what the goodness of God tastes like because we filled our souls and our, and our minds 
and our hearts with, with everything else. All too often we fill up with all of this junk food in life, things that are not healthy but convenient, things that are not good but they're easy to get. We fill up on junk food of life and we miss out on the goodness of God. We, we approach our lives like we do an all-you-can-eat buffet. Now, now, what, what do most people do at an all-you-can-eat buffet? You know what they do? So many options, so many choices at an all-you-can-eat buffet. They, most people skip over, what? The salads and the vegetables. And, and they move right to the mac and cheese and the mashed potatoes and the meat and all of that. They, they just skip right over this. What, what, I, what we like about an all-you-can-eat buffet is the same thing we like about in our culture. There are so many options, there so many things to choose from in life, and there's a freedom to choose how we're going to live our lives. But my question is, can there be too much? Can there be too many options in life? Can there be... Too many choices. I mean, I love going to a buffet. I love the freedom, the options given. I can choose what I want to eat and as much as I want of that item. Do you ever find an item on a buffet that you really like and that's what you keep coming back for? Seconds and thirds and you have a pile of that in one side of your plate and maybe a little bit of other, everything else, you know? That I, I love that. Problem is, now let's be honest with you, this is confessional. Problem is, I usually abuse that freedom of choice. How about you? And I make some bad decisions about what I eat and how much I eat and my weight and my cholesterol levels show it. Hmm. Why? Why do I do this? It's because I don't always choose what's good for me. The freedom to choose has allowed me to eat what I like without considering whether it's good for me or not. So, you know, back in 2005 at age 40, thought I was having a heart attack. BP was crazy high. My cholesterol was crazy high, like in the 600s. Why? Because I abused my freedom to choose. I had too much, I filled up on stuff that wasn't good for me. One day, Jesus taught about this. Take a look at this conversation that he has in Mark chapter 10. A man came running up to Jesus, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What was he saying? What do I got to do to get to heaven? That's what he was asking. What do I got to do to be right with God? Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Those are the Ten Commandments. And he says, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. So don't miss this. Jesus, he's looking at this guy, and he feels genuine love for this man. And here's what he says. There is still one thing you haven't done. He's saying this with love. Don't miss this. Jesus says, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven then. 
come, follow me. Now, was, was Jesus teaching that we need to get rid of all of our stuff? No. Was he teaching against having stuff? No. Was he teaching against having money, being rich? No. Jesus was teaching this man and us about being full in life. Too full. Look what it says, the last verse. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had, what? Many possessions. It was too full. I've, I've heard it said that God wants us to come to him with empty hands because if our hands are too full with everything else, we won't be able to grab on to what he wants to give us. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's kind of along the same lines that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 12. Jesus tells a story. He says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. So he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Notice this last line. Jesus says, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Jesus was teaching about us being too full in our lives and missing out on God, missing out on God's goodness. I want you to get this down. If I am too full to taste the goodness of God, I need to ask God to make me hungry for what he wants to do in my life. I need to ask God to make me hungry. This is kind of the um, answer to being too full to experience what God wants to do, too full to taste the goodness of God. We need to come to God and say, God, I'm, I, I need you to make me hungry. <laughs> um, one of the conversations that I recently had with my doctor, if you don't know, my doctor has um, not required, but suggested over a year and a half ago for me to go on a vegan diet. He's a vegan by choice, and he said, Bart, I think it would be good for your cholesterol levels and all of this stuff to make the shift. And I was already on a low sodium because of my episode in 2005. I was already on a low sodium and only eating chicken and those kinds of things. And, and so he said it would probably be real easy for you to just kind of slide and to, so to slide out the dairy so there's no dairy. And, and um, you know, you can have some fish every once in a while, but slide out the meat, that kind of a thing. And so I made that move about a year and a half ago First three months, my cholesterol levels dropped 80 points in the first three months. So it works for me. I'm not preaching it to you. I would never do that, but it works for me, and my doctor has requested that of me. And so we've made this, this choice, and one of the things that he recently said to me is, I want you to shift now. I want you to shift more into beans and legumes for your protein. And he said, but what that means is that you're going to get hungry in the beginning. You're going to feel it. He said, you'll get over it after a while, but initially you will feel hungry. And he said, 
That's a good hunger because you're getting hungry for good things. That was what came out of his mouth. And I was, as I was putting this study together, I was thinking that's exactly what God says to us sometimes. When we say, God, I need you to make me hungry for more of you. Please understand that there may be things in your life that have to go away. There may be things in your life that you have to stop consuming so that you would be hungry again, right? Everybody knows that the only way you become hungry is that you're not eating something else. Everybody follow that? Hmm. We need to ask God to create an appetite for his goodness in our lives. Another reason I don't taste and see the, the goodness of God is I am too blind to see the goodness of God. Not only am I too full to taste, but I'm too blind to see. Many times, I'm blinded by Satan. Now, I want you to, to realize the Apostle Paul tells us that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see. He emphasizes that, the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact lightness of God. Basically, Satan wants to blind you to the goodness of God. This is what the Apostle Paul is telling us, that the enemy of your soul, the enemy of my soul, will do whatever he can to keep you blinded to the goodness of God in your life. I mean, even way back in the garden of Genesis, Satan got Eve to question God's goodness. Satan implied that God was less than good for denying the particular fruit on that tree. How does Satan blind our eyes, our, our, eyes, our minds? I think the first weapon, really the main weapon that he uses, is lies. He tells lies. John 8, Jesus says that Satan is the liar and father of all lies. Telling lies, it's Satan's strategy for keeping us blind to the goodness of God, essentially the same since the Garden of Eden. This is one of the lies that I think he uses in our life most. You know what he uses? He uses the idea of coincidence. We, we go through life and, and we're looking for God to do something and something happens for us. And what do we do? We write it off as coincidence. Well, person was there. The money came in. I just missed that car as I was driving. They turned just in the nick of time. It was close. Had something happen yesterday to me. I didn't even know what happened. We, uh, Didi and Caleb and I, we, we drove down to Sam's Club area, down in College Grove area, and, and um, went to Walmart. My wife had already told me that our credit union had issued new debit cards. <clears throat> and I didn't know, but she had taken my debit card and she had it, we were driving her car, we, she had it in the visor of her car. Well, going down, I had um, pushed the visor down while I was driving and unknown to me, the card had dropped out of the visor and probably down on the floorboard of the car. So when we parked at Walmart and got out, we went in, we did our shopping, came back out to the car, got in, drove home, in the garage, I'm getting out of her car, and I look, and in the rubber piece that's on the outside of the glass of my driver's side window, 
the card, the debit card, was slid down into the rubber. And Didi said, that's your debit card. I said, I didn't even know. She goes, it was on your visor. I said, I didn't even know you didn't tell me. Ask her later, but we kind of, eh, you know, kind of one of those situations. And I said, I didn't even know. And then it hit me, wow. This must, this must have fallen out on the ground and somebody stuck it in the rubber of my uh, window and it stayed, hang on, in the rubber of my window all the way from College Grove to my house. Ah, it's just coincidence. No, I don't believe that. I believe that God, his goodness, looks over us and helps us and is there in times when we don't even know it happens. You say, well, was God taking care of your debit card? I kind of think he was because I was an idiot. I didn't even know it was taking place. I was ignorant to it. How many times does the goodness of God save your rear in life and you don't even know it? And so I, last night, I got into bed, and I was almost asleep, and this thought came to mind about this card. I'm like, the card stayed on the window the whole way, all the way down 94 to 805, all the way home. It stayed on. And I had like a yay God party right there in bed. My wife was snoring next to me, and I'm like, God, wow, that's amazing that you would do that for me. All too often, I think the enemy wants us to believe that it's just coincidence. I like to say, I'm going to give God more credit. And even if he didn't do it, I'm going to give him credit anyway. Because you know why? He deserves more honor than I ever can give him. Because God is good. He's good in my life. He's good in your life. He is. Many times I'm blinded by not loving others. You need to get this one down. This is the one that surprised me in my study. I'm blinded. I'm blinded to the goodness of God by not loving others. The Apostle John writes this. Look at this. This is, this is so challenging. Put your seatbelt on. This is deep. If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. What is he talking about? He's talking about being blinded because we hate others. We don't love others. And I don't know about you, but this one really surprised me until I sat back and I thought about it. It makes sense. In my life, most of the goodness of God comes through other people. Most of the goodness of God that I experience in my life comes through my relationships. It makes sense. So when I'm not loving others in the way that I'm supposed to love others, by the way, that's the one command that Jesus gave us. He said, all the others, put them away. I give you one. Jesus said in John 13, I give you this one command. You know what it is? Love others as I have loved you. He could have just said love others and it would have been real easy for us to get away with. But he said, no, as I have loved you. So when I'm not loving people in my life the way that I'm supposed to love, you know what? I'm blinded to the goodness of God. 
Because the goodness of God oftentimes comes through other people in my life, into my life, through them. Hmm. Last one here. I'm blinded by not worshiping God. The Apostle Paul speaks directly to this. He says they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Do you realize that when we don't give the worship that God deserves to him, the honor that he deserves, the credit that he deserves for all the good things in in our lives, when we don't acknowledge him with a grateful, thankful heart, do you realize that we lose sight of who God is and we become blind to the goodness of God? It's so easy for us to get off track and to leave thankfulness and gratitude behind and to leave worship behind and to become people who complain and bellyache and whine about all the things that's wrong in their life. And I don't know about you, but I've discovered that I lose sight of who God is. I lose track of who God is because I forget what he has done and I don't give him praise and worship enough. He deserves it. So if I'm too blind to see the goodness of God, this is what we need to do. This is what you need to do. I need to ask God to open my eyes. I need to ask God to open my eyes to who he is and those around me. Ask God to see his goodness in your life. There are times, um, for me, maybe this is for you, but there are times that I get going so fast and so busy that, I, that I, just, I just need to stop. And I need to think about who God is. I need to think about the people in my life that are around me. I need to think about the, the sources of God's goodness in my life, where it's coming from, him and from other people, how it's it's pouring into my life through those sources. I need to stop and think about those instead of just rushing through life. And, and I think there's a rhythm to this that, that the psalmist, when he says, taste and see that the Lord is good, I think there's a rhythm to this that we, that if we're not careful in our modern, high, fast-paced, high-tech society, culture, we move right past this, this pause and, and, and we don't slow down enough. I think this is part of having our eyes opened. You know, as, as we wrap off this entire series, one of the things that I wanted to leave you with is what we're missing out on if, if we don't experience the goodness of God, if we don't take the time to taste and see that the Lord is good. What are we missing out on? C.S. Lewis he, he wrote this in, in a book called The Weight of Glory, which is an amazing book. It's a really deep read, but it's a great book. He, he writes this, We are fooling about with, with drink, sex, and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the beach. And I read this a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, Wow, that is, that is so true about the goodness of God. We don't realize what we're missing out on 
Just like the little boy, we are so easily satisfied with playing in the mud when all along we are being offered something that is so much more. And and I can imagine the little boy saying, well, I'm happy in what I'm doing. I don't want to leave this. This is so much fun. Why should I give up playing in the mud to go to the beach? I'm, I'm already happy where I am and what I'm doing, what I have. And I can almost imagine his father saying, come on, let's go. If you only knew what is being offered to you, you'd leave this behind. It kind of reminds me of a conversation that Jesus had with a woman at a well. You may know this story. In John 4, Jesus was tired, it says, from a long walk. He sat beside the well. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew, um, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you. Those are the words that grabbed me this week. If you only knew the goodness that God has for you. If you only knew who you're speaking to, Jesus says, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water. Hear the sarcasm there. Jesus says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Isn't that like us? We, we eat, we eat, and we eat of the things of this world. And what do we end up? Hungry. Nothing satisfies. We have to have more because it, it doesn't satisfy And we are still hungry and we want more and we're still starving and our soul is shriveling up because it's looking for something more and we can't find it. Jesus says, anyone who drinks this water, you're going to become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling stream, uh, spring within them, giving them eternal life. Isn't it time for you to taste and see that the Lord is good. 